The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coach Informants, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in the Atlanta area. I am the father of seven-year-old twin boys, and I am a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I work as a CPA. Yeah, you do. 
And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers, the husband to a beautiful wife, and an engineer. Right on, man. Glad you're here. That might be the first time you've introduced yourself as an engineer, Eric Hall. Well, when it's, it's the seventh time you're introducing yourself. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's it's limiting. I'm I'm so much more than just an engineer. Point so, taken. Point taken. I know that that's all you care about because you only invited me on the podcast to talk about technical stuff. But... Not true. I think that everyone on the podcast and everyone who listens to the podcast realizes that you're far more than a tech geek at this point. Eric, you're a mechanical engineer by training, right? I am a mechanical engineer by education. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my time has been in power engineering, however. Mm -hmm. Right on, man. Very good. Very good. Let's go around the horn real quick. Let's hear what's going on with everybody. Michelle, what's up? I'd like to welcome you to your own podcast. It felt like <laughs> the hardest work of my life getting this week's podcast scheduled with you guys. <laughs> so it's nice to be here with you guys. I'm happy that uh, nobody fought back when I texted very early this morning, podcast seven o'clock tonight. So it was as unanimous of a response as I could have hoped for from both of you. Absolutely. Um, we, ha we have had a hard time getting this one on the schedule here, which, you know, we talked last week about whether... Uh, my life has changed or maybe it might have been two weeks ago, whether my life has changed in such a way that I can no longer do like big fall target marathons. And in light of how difficult it was for us to schedule this week's podcast, I'm thinking that maybe you had a point, Michelle, when you suggested that maybe life is just busier in the fall for you, George. Um, yeah, but you can, I, you can, I can let you off with the races. That's just like not attainable in the way that you want to do that. But you really like to put out the podcast regularly. And I do. so skipping too much time is like someone has to hold you accountable. I appreciate so. that. And I always appreciate you holding me accountable, Michelle. Um, not to mention the fact that we are going to be talking about the New York City Marathon. Uh, and that was over a week ago at this point now that we are recording. Um, but that being said, I feel like even when we do put out the podcast, we always end up like something happens right after we put it out that sure. some announcement gets made or something and, and, and we miss it. The announcement we missed last week when we were actually previewing the New York City Marathon uh, was that Tommy Puzzi was actually going to be running it. But we'll be talking about that a little bit more here in just a second. Um, yep. You ran a race yourself, Michelle. Yeah, I ran my uh, first run Disney race, the Wine and Dine Half Marathon. It was Sunday morning last week. It was everything opposite of every other half marathon <laughs> or marathon I've run. I've never seen 50,000 people in an area that run a 5K on Friday morning. They wear their t-shirts and their medals all day. They are so proud of themselves. I didn't hear one person talk about a finish time. I mean, we got up Sunday morning. At, I got up at 2.45. I think we were in the corral at four. People were just happy to be there. It was the first run Disney weekend back, which, you know, played into it a lot, I think. But it was just a really kind of refreshing, almost a restorative experience. Um, as soon as the gun went off, we were only about 20 seconds after the gun when we crossed the starting line. And, and I swear we were not two tenths of a mile into the race in the first, uh, it's all the villains that come out on the course for this. And the first villain had at least 20 people lined up to take a picture. I mean, <laughs> nobody had run more than two minutes to get to the first villain. So thought it was pretty was fun. The, the course villain? had, 
tons of entertainment. I mean, there was never more than a half a mile where you didn't have music, a movie on a big screen, villains, water, Powerade. They had like eight medical stations. It was 49 degrees in Orlando. I, they probably used less medical than ever, the history of a race in Florida. Um, but yeah, it was fun. So who, who, I enjoyed it. We, we, we have now used the word. The sun was rising. And we now use the word villain more times over the course of the past minute than we probably ever have in all the rest of our podcasts combined. But I'm dying to know who that first villain was <laughs> that everybody's waiting too much for. I don't know. I can't even remember. What? I know. <laughs> you totally know. You're just not telling us. I totally actually Jafar? don't remember. I will tell you that of all the Disney I know, the villains are probably the least. I do know that I, I mean, I was pacing, so I wasn't going to stop. But the Queen of Hearts was around mile, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12. We had just come into Epcot. And I know enough about the villains at Disney to know that the Queen of Hearts just, that she does not come out a lot. Um, so I was pretty excited when I saw her and stopped and took a picture with her, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, sorry. Awesome. Sorry to disappoint you. That's okay. I'm not disappointing you at all. So are you a convert to run Disney now? Or do you want to do like all the <laughs> races, including like the star Wars races and everything? I mean, I think it took it. I was exhausted just from the time change. And I guess we had gotten an extra hour of sleep. So I didn't think two forty-five would be that bad, but was awake all day Sunday, flew home Sunday night. So it felt like it took several days just to kind of recover from that wake up call. I think I would definitely do another run Disney race. I have the advantage of my brother-in-law who Coke is a client. Um, he works for Coke. So Disney is a client of theirs and gets comped entry for me. So that was, it was great. I mean, I would totally do that again. I think he wants to run a full and he wants to do it there. So mm-hmm. uh, just kind of waiting for that to be called up for that, I should say. <laughs> very cool. Very good. Um, are they having the full at Walt Disney World this year? Are they having the Walt Disney World Marathon this year? I think next month. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like the first week of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it sold out immediately. Yeah, so. yeah. It always um, sells out pretty quickly regardless. So, but they are yeah. having it? As far as I know, Yeah. But this was pretty cool. I mean, the, there was like 50,000 bibs and we had numbers 398 and 406. I mean, it's, you know, 20 bibs for Coke kind of just put aside. So mm-hmm. it was kind of fun to be in such a huge race and have a three digit numerical bib number, even though it's just run Disney. So for sure, for sure. Very um, cool. Very cool. I'm glad it went so well. Um, uh, I think everybody who listens to the podcast wanted you to have a good experience there. So I'm glad that you did. Uh, I'm glad that you did. Um, yeah, run Disney races. And I say this as as uh, not only to you as someone who has done her first run Disney race now, um, but also to anyone else who's planning to do one. They're a particular sort of challenge um, because for one thing, they always involve the day before being on your feet and being in the parks and eating ice cream and all that sort of thing. And then two, they always start super early in the morning, like in the dark. And so getting there and if you need to warm up, like figuring out how to warm up and things like that, it's always a bit of a challenge. And then number three, the courses themselves, they go into really cool spots like in the parks, but they aren't, the parks aren't designed for you to go running through. The parks are designed for you to move at a leisurely pace as you go from ride to ride and from from attraction to attraction. And so when you're actually running through it and, and you're trying to hit race pace and you have to do a 180 degree turn around like, you know, a floating tree or something. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. (laughs) I mean, I will say Animal Kingdom just felt like the 
our feet were never even, we were constantly making 90, 180 degree turns and we were in and out. We were probably spent two miles in there. Hollywood studios was really a little disappointing. They brought us in by tower of terror and then basically took us down sunset Boulevard and we turned left before main street. So we were just in and out of there, but you're constantly, yeah, you're never really, when you're in the parks, those roads were just not for running races, but it's kind of cool. So. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I still think they're great. I still enjoy them. You just have to kind of go into them knowing that there's all these intervening variables that are going to keep you from having your absolute best performance. And that's fine. But, yeah, I would say I, I really I see the appeal now. And if Run Disney has a, you know, a totally different world than running a PR qualifying for Boston, you know, it's if there's that many tens of thousands of people that are coming out to run or they're getting out the door to train, to run. I don't care if it's just a five or a 10 K. I mean, that's go Disney. Cause that's Agreed. just amazing. I agree. Um, I, I agree. don't think a lot of the people would, you know, go run other races mm-hmm. as much as they want to be there for these run Disney weekends. Very good. One of our very first podcasts, we actually talked about run Disney races and we talked about the star Wars half marathon with my wife, the owner of the travel agency. So um, but we're approaching episode 200 of the podcast now. And that was like episode 10 or something. So it feels like a long time ago. I guess it was before either one of you were actually on the podcast with me. How about that? <laughs> Eric, what you been up to? You know, um, just getting back into running. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting ready for that little 50 mile jaunt you have coming up on your yeah, birthday. Yeah. So, so I've been spending a lot of time on the trail. I think I mentioned last week that I've been spending a lot of time on the mountain to sea trail. I'm sort of piecing together the mountain to sea trail with different runs. And since I usually go to... I get out running three, four o'clock and Sundays are my mountain to sea trail day because I do it like that. Usually the sun's setting by the time I get to five or six, which is about the limit that I can get on the mountain to sea trail. Um, yesterday I went to eight because, because part of it is every time I stop, I want to be able to start there again or start close to there. So I need to get to a parking lot so I can park the car there. But what that also causes is I, I can't run back down the trail in the dark one i don't like carrying a headlamp if i don't have to two i've got astigmatism so even if it's just getting a little dark i'm gonna trip over everything so i usually jump out on the road and then take the road back to my car um that turned into uh running eight miles on the trail uh yesterday and then having a 6.9 mile run back to my car (laughs) on the road in the dark not, um, not bad for a Sunday evening. Very nice. Not bad for a Sunday evening run. Um, I, I, I have grown to uh, not appreciate most of the drivers in this <laughs> section of Raleigh near, um, near the lake. Uh, but, you know, Falls Lake, that is. But um, no one did hit me. So I, 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 I survived the run. But, you know, that's what I've been doing. Just kind of getting back into running, um, enjoying doing that. I think, you know, Michelle, you mentioned the weather. The weather's been phenomenal for running. Oh, it's so good. You like running in the morning. Uh, I like running a little later in the day. Um, So, but the temperature is about the same at the end of my run as it is at the beginning of your run. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the change in weather. I'm enjoying getting out on the trail. I'm, I'm really getting fired up about that 50 miler um, December 10th. So yeah. Yeah, I, I halfway agree with y'all on the weather. 
<laughs> I agree that it's nice when you can go out at three o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon or, or some other time throughout the course of the day. And it's, you know, between 40 degrees and 60 degrees, as opposed to being between 80 degrees and 95 degrees, as yes. it is here often during the summer. Um, Michelle, I texted you yesterday morning, Sunday morning, that I was getting I ready to start a 5K road race and it was 32 degrees. And you're like, this is great, best weather ever. And I'm like, <laughs> no, this is not well, great. I'm running and I guess I didn't have my phone off and it's like 6.57 and it's like George Darden, 32 degrees, Michelle, not ideal. And I <laughs> pause my watch and I am like in heaven. I'm like 53 minutes into... I don't know. Maybe but you stopped your run. run in order to engage me in that text message conversation so that you could point out that, yes, it is ideal. Yeah. I, I was like, you poor thing. <laughs> no. So, so I ran. But I, ran I did agree that it is. I mean, it was. So you said it was 32 in Marietta. It was mm -hmm. 35 in town. I do agree that to race a 5K in the low to mid 30s, that is cold. I mean, it is hard to get warmed up and stay warm for a 5k, but I wasn't racing a 5k. I would not do something like that anyway. <laughs> See, and, and, and I might've been a little bit salty because it was actually my second 5k of the weekend. I raced a 5k on Saturday morning and a 5k on Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, you were salty. <laughs> so, which is not something I would normally do. Um, but there was a Memorial 5k on Saturday morning for Bethany Rutledge, who, um, died back in 2019. Uh, and we talked about her at the time um, when, when she died two years ago. Um, and so there was a Miles for Bethany 5K that I was excited to take part in, eager to take part in, um, in order to remember her and honor her. And then on Sunday, there was a, it was a literally a race slash funeral. Like the 5K race was the warm up for the funeral for um, a guy named Don McClellan, who was a local newsman around here in the Atlanta area for a long time with WSB, um, and who was also a runner and would go to races and take photos and, and, and all that sort of thing. Eventually, he actually started a race management company. And so, um, so I ran the 5K then on Sunday and then literally like put on tights and a, and a hoodie and all that sort of thing, went down to this big old tent, ate some, uh, ate some breakfast that they provided and then listened to his memorial service which was very nice so i had had it not been those two particular 5ks <laughs> i wouldn't have been stacking them up one right after the other for sure um but the fun part about it for this particular podcast is to say that i ran each 5k in a different pair of shoes I ran the first one on Saturday wearing a pair of shoes that I received in the mail on Friday, much to Eric's dismay. And I, I dare even bring it up because I'm worried he might get upset with me that I that I actually pulled a pair of shoes out of the box, put them on my feet and ran a 5K road race in them on Saturday morning. Um, those are the New Balance RC Elites. Um, and they were OK. They were interesting. And then on Sunday, I wore a pair of shoes that I have worn several times already, the Skechers Razor Elites, um, which is the plated version of the Razor. Um, and they were they were great, too. So two good pairs of shoes. Still need to spend a little bit more time in each of them in order to figure out which one are going to be my go-to short race shoes, but haven't quite decided yet. So how did the how did the brand new out-of-the-box shoes work out on that first 5K? I mean, they were fine. I don't think they did anything that you would be worried that that a brand new pair of shoes would do, like give you a blister or something like that, you know? 
Did you have trouble keeping your foot, you know, situated in that shoe? <laughs> I did not have a problem keeping my foot situated in the shoe. <laughs> um, by any I stretch. seem to remember I mean, some comments about your your toes touching the front of the shoe a little bit. No, no, that would not be a comment that I made. <laughs> this is where the opposing they, attorney is like objection, leading the witness. <laughs> so, so they 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 worked just fine. No, they they were an interesting pair of shoes to wear um, because I felt like they more than other shoes I've worn. And I don't know why this is necessarily. I don't know if it's because of the way my gait interacted with the shoes or something about the way that the shoes are constructed, the way the plate is shaped, whatever it happens to be. They much more forced me onto my toes than most other shoes do. Um, and because of that, when I got to the finish of the race, my calves felt like they had been worked much more thoroughly than they than they did after the the 5k race on Sunday or after they do after most runs that I do um and so so uh it's good that I didn't try and like you know try and use them for a half marathon or something like that um which I wouldn't do anyway um but but yeah it was a good test of the shoes for the first time like I said I gotta test them a little bit more to see whether I like them and whether I think they're really all that worthwhile whether they can be my go-to shoes but we'll see it was well, fun I'm glad that worked out for you because I will stick by my my statement that I, I don't recommend anybody pulling a pair of shoes out of a box and racing them. Honestly, I don't either. Um, I'm with you on that, Eric. I, I generally speaking, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that the the fact that it was a fairly low key race, or it was a race that I that that you know I kind of wanted to go out and run. I'm not in my best shape. Um, I kind of felt like it would be okay. I definitely wouldn't do it for more than a 5K. Um, I definitely wouldn't do it for, I certainly wouldn't do it for like a big target race. One that I was really, you know, prepared for and tapered for and, and leaned up for and all that sort of thing. But this, this race didn't check any of those boxes. Um, I was mostly out there to run hard and to honor my friend who died a couple of years ago. Um, and I felt like I could do that with a new pair of shoes or with an old pair of shoes. Um, as oh, it happened, and, I did and, with a new pair of shoes. We're so. out there to win too, right? So I went out there to win. I was out there to run the best I could. I did win. Um, but both races, by the <laughs> um, way, um, I, I did win, but, 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 win if, but, if I, but if I had, if I hadn't won, I, I wouldn't have been upset about it. But know? that second win was pretty close. You had to fight for it. That second one was not close. Um, <laughs> you know, Don McClellan, who I adore and who I love died at age 87. And so me at age 47, undoubtedly, I brought down the average age of the race. And, and so I was able to eke out victory there by about nine minutes. Um, <laughs> But um, that's not to say take anything away from the race because I was I was definitely glad to be there to to warm it up for the memorial because that was so which, which pair of shoes would you grade higher right now just based on the experience of those two runs the Razor Elites the Razor Elites mm -hmm. okay yeah is that you think that's because of experience and you've had them you've worn them more I, I no I think it's because I think there's something about the way that they're constructed that that jives a little bit better with my um mechanics i think um now that at the same time that makes me feel like i probably should wear the new balance from time to time because they're making me run in a way that i'm not accustomed to and kind of breaking me out of bad habits potentially right, right? um but but at the same time i feel i felt more like myself running more natural running when i ran in the sketchers so, so that, that's still kind of my go-to right now, but we'll that's, see. That's an interesting point you just brought up. Cause I just had a conversation with somebody in the office. Um, this, uh, one of my coworkers stopped me and said, Hey, you know, I know you run, um, my knee's been hurting me a little bit right here. 
And, you know, my first answer to that is I'm, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Good. That should be your first answer. I said, I said, I can, I can give you all sorts of pointers and this, that, and the other, but I said, so, but let me ask questions first. And the first question I ask is how old are your shoes? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, I don't know. I said, well, <laughs> that, that's a good starting point. And then I said, you know, how many pairs of shoes do you have to run in? Um, one. And I said, okay. I said, um, you should have a couple of pairs of shoes. Well, I have in the past, you know, I just go buy the same pair of sh- two of the same pair of shoes. And I said, well, okay, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> you know, and we, and she was very uh, willing to listen. And at the end of the day, she went and bought two pairs of shoes for 300 bucks total. You know, she, she went out and went to a store and talked to somebody and she got two pairs of shoes and, you know, a pair of Mizunos and a pair of Asics, which are not huge shoes that we wear, but apparently she got fitted for them. And she feels like this could be the start of, you know, being a little more mature about her shoe selection and running. And so I think that's interesting. You brought that point up about not just for your training shoes, but also for your racing shoes, you might want to mix that in a little bit. For sure. For sure. I think it's interesting what you just said about being mature about your, your running shoe choices. I was thinking this morning and by all means, I encourage folks who are younger or older than me to, to weigh in on this and let me know what, what, what you think. Um, but I was thinking this morning that, that as you get older as a runner, um, it takes more and more willpower to do it. Um, and, and the reason why is because, when you're younger, when I was in college, I ran a lot more when I was in college, but I literally had the time of day blocked out for me. And I was able to schedule my entire day around it. I didn't have to think about what I was going to run. And they gave me the shoes that I was going to wear and everything else like that. Um, and I was young. So I, I watched what I eat, but I was also partying a couple of times a week. So I wasn't really watching it that closely. Um, All that dancing was keeping you in shape. Pretty much, man. Um, and these days, like there's so much stuff you have to do that is not running in order to be able to run. Um, and that includes, of course, you know, paying attention to shoes and thinking about shoe choices and things like that. But listening to your body, doing particular workouts, trying to balance things out, going to, to physical therapists or whoever else it is, it's going to be able to, to keep your body right. Watching what you eat so incredibly closely. Like all of these things are things I just didn't really have to do back in the day, even though I was running more. And so I feel like now to be a so-called mature runner, it takes so much more willpower and so much more mental energy from me. Um, I mean, am I making yeah, that we up? We get to or order new shoes all the time. Yeah, well, that's the uh, <laughs> that's that, that that's the positive part, right? That that's a good side. for getting more shoes. I, yeah. I, you know, it's the guy who just placed an order for two more pair of shoes today. <laughs> well, so that would be Eric, not George. George got his right. new, George got his three new pairs of shoes last week. <laughs> what's interesting about what you said was you said it's so much harder to be a mature athlete now, but I I would say that you were not a mature athlete back in, in college for, for sure. We're doing all the immature things. And and I further go to say, we kind of touched on this just a few minutes before we started the podcast, your performance now is probably much closer to your performance limit than it was when you were in college. Maybe it's hard to say, but yeah. Yeah. That, that particular, you know, you have to be particular about your sleep, your food, your shoe choice, your clothing choice, and you're really eking out every little bit you can for that target race. Whereas in college, I mean, you were working harder, you were faster, you were younger, lighter, 
but you, I don't think you were near your performance uh, edge. Hmm. Maybe I, I can say that for myself. That's when it, I, that, I, yeah, I don't know. That's hard to say. Um, yeah, I, 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 as I've gotten older, am I working closer and closer to my full potential as an athlete, my, my full physiological potential? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I, uh, I'm definitely not working on my full physiological potential right now, just because, you know, <laughs> I'm coming off a stressful time, but I'm looking at doing, you know, t- at least two and maybe three marathons next year, the Blue Ridge Relay run, you know, Peyton's 10 by 5k. Um, and so hopefully on, as I say, two, maybe three, Michelle shakes her head, Michelle, I'm hoping it's only two. <laughs> um, and so, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah. All right. Speaking of marathons. Let's talk about the New York City Marathon. It took place Sunday a week ago. Um, it took place on the 7th of November, as it always does. Uh, it was a good race. What was your favorite part of the race, uh, Michelle? Well, I can be uh, found on our most recent podcast before this one saying no American is going to go run a 224 on the New York course. <laughs> so I would like to just make sure everybody knows that I was very wrong. Um, Molly Seidel went out there and, uh, with a very, she ran exactly what you said, nobody would run <laughs> block of training and broke the course record by over a minute. She did run a 224. The course record had stood, uh, since Kara Goucher ran it, um, over course 10 years for ago. Americans course record for American women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can just disregard what I said last week because an American woman did run a 224 in New York. And, you know, just kind of like Tokyo, um, I thought it was great to just see her stick her head in it. And, and she's been on two podcasts since the race. And it was really, it's interesting to hear her say that there's no real race plan. It's just, she's a racer and she's a competitor. And the goal is stay with the lead pack. Don't lead. And when there's a breakaway, you know, still like keep, keep racing. She knew she's not in 217 shape. She's not going to go with these women. She's not going to drop a five minute mile at mile 20, but there's only so many women that can break away like that. And then there's still a race to keep running. And it feels like that's what she did and came away with a fourth place finish. And I think it's just great to see her progress in the marathon. And, you know, she was a nothing. And then she made the team and now she has an Olympic medal. And now she has the American record for women on the New York course. And, um, I'm just enjoying kind of watching her run in the spirit that she brings to the sport. And I think it's great for her. And honestly, the whole, uh, marathoning world, yeah. you know, um, I, I agree. I, I, the, she is, seems particularly good and, and, you know, pro marathoning is different from, and the way that pro races pro marathon races tend to go they're different from the races that three of us would run you know because we go out and we have sort of a goal and we try and get into our goal pace and find that groove whereas pro marathons they tend to to it tends to be a race of attrition like every single one of them you go out in a pack and it's like who can hang on she seems to be particularly good at that style of racing yeah i Um, mean she's she likes that championship style racing she doesn't want a time trial I think she has a pretty good idea of where her fitness is, but she'd probably say something like, Oh, I could run probably 222 to 225. But, you know, she was asked, would she want to go for the American record? And she said it really doesn't interest her at all, unless it just happened to be 
within a race that she was running and racing and she got the American record. So that's great for the sport. Like we need people that are just going to stick their head in it and race no matter who the lead pack is, no matter what the situation is. And she's really bringing that fever to it. So it was great to see her um, race, but I would also say people who are stick their heads in it, stick their, stick themselves into the competition, despite the fact that Michelle may say that there's no way that any American woman is going to run 224. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to have been proved wrong in this circumstance. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I think we all were. Yeah. Uh, the race was won, by the way, speaking of the Tokyo Olympics, by uh, Perez Jepchir, Um, And she also won the Olympic Games. Um, and this and is so- the first time the Olympic champion has ever come back and won New York also. Like, it mm-hmm. had never been done before. So, I mean, she's brilliant to watch. She's really just feels like another level right now. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens with her over the next few years. Right on. I agree. She seems to also excel at that sort of pro style championship style racing for sure. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, the men's race was won by Albert career. Um, and it was a totally different race in that you had sort of two guys attack early on from like mile eight and they went way out and built up like a two minute lead. And then all the group back behind catches up. And then you would think that the two guys got caught would completely fall behind, but one of them ended up finishing second in the race. And so it was also fun and exciting race to watch for kind of the opposite reason. It was much more of a cat and mouse race rather than a race of attrition. Um, but all, but also very fun to watch. Um, undoubtedly, though, the, the highlight for American watchers was, was Molly Seidel's performance. I will also say, I mean, if you follow men's marathoning, and we've talked about Ben True a lot and his wife and her career as a triathlete, and he, another thing that happened right after we recorded a whole spiel about how he's unsponsored and he pays people to train with him. So right, right after our podcast came out, he announced that ASICs had signed him. Um, New York was his marathon debut. He came in seventh place. He ran a two twelve. I'm just thrilled that, you know, he had a, what I would consider a great day, uh, for, you know, has a sponsor first time marathon, New York's pretty tough place to debut. So I was really, really happy to see on the men's side for the American men, see him up there, especially in the top 10. So he ran Ben true ran faster from the 25 mile mark to the finish than anybody else did in the entire race. Yeah. What is that? What does yeah. that tell you? That, 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 that tells me that he was a first time marathoner who was erring on the side of, of holding back Caution a little bit, yeah, right? For sure. Um, because he, he kind of held back and held back and held back. And then I think he had more left, um, than he expected to, he ended up chopping, uh, you know, moving way up through the field past like three or four people over the course of that last mile of the race, um, yeah. in, in order to finish there, uh, well within the top 10. Um, but yeah, it certainly seems to suggest that he probably has a little bit more to give, um, which is exciting for him. And, and I like that guy. So, um, I think it's pretty cool too. I think it's pretty cool too. Uh, there was a duck who, uh, who ran the race. Yes. Let's talk about wrinkle. <laughs> I, I, I actually spent more time than I would like to admit trolling around the internet to see if I could find like the story of wrinkle and, and how much of the race that wrinkle actually ran. But, um, but, but yeah, the day after the, the New York city marathon, maybe two days later, I sent the two of you a TikTok that showed a duck actually running in the race alongside all the runners, um, wearing its little web footed booties. Um, I didn't open it cause it was a TikTok. 
but <laughs> somebody else sent it to me no. through another medium. And then you were like, dude, that's the TikTok I sent you yesterday. So I went back and watched it. It's so good. <laughs> so it's great. It's super fun. Uh, and it's exactly when we say there was a duck running the New York City Marathon, it's exactly what you would picture. And there's a, duck, there's a duck running down the street surrounded by all these other runners and it looks directly at the camera and starts quacking at the camera. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's actually an emotional support animal, Wrinkled the Duck is. Um, and it's uncertain exactly how much of the race, like I said, that Wrinkle actually ran. I'm fairly certain that Wrinkle didn't run 26.2 miles of the race. Um, but, uh, but Wrinkle probably got at least as much attention as Perez, Jepshashir, and, uh, and Albert Career did for winning the race. Um, for sure. I don't know what that says about, you know, the state of human beings or the state of running or, or, or fandom or anything else like that. But there you go. Um, Wrinkle the Duck, of course, was not the only uh, celebrity to, to run in the, uh, the New York City Marathon. I always uh, joke that one of the things that makes the New York City Marathon the New York City Marathon is that there's always a bunch of celebrities who run it because when you go to New York, you know, you'll see famous people just kind of walking around because it's New York. Um, and so as part of being, you know, 30,000 runners in the race, there's going to be some celebrities or some well-known people there as well. So Chelsea Clinton ran, you saw that. Yeah. Um, she ran under an alias, um, so. and she ran a three fifty nine, and she was injured. They did women's running, did a, a quick interview. It's a good, it's behind a paywall. It's either women's running or runner's world, but she said she fell off a treadmill, um, I think six weeks out and injured herself. Mm -hmm. but was still able to come back and meet her goal. She wanted to run a sub four hour marathon. She ran 359. So everything besides the fact that she couldn't run under her, you know, real name and a few other caveats for getting in her long runs, just seems just like a regular runner out there running her first marathon. So absolutely. Okay. So at that point, at this point, I feel like we should actually pause on talking about the celebrity marathoners and circle back to Molly Seidel. Cause we didn't talk enough about, you, you mentioned this, Michelle, but we didn't talk enough about the fact that she was actually injured going into the race. Sure. So we found out after, uh, well, we knew she hadn't had a great buildup. People who follow her on Strava saw, you know, periods of time where uh, she wasn't running at all. And she was pretty, uh, you know, hush hush in the pressers before, but we found out and it's been spoken about and written about now that she had broken ribs. Uh, she sustained, uh, she broke some ribs six weeks out. The most interesting thing about this is that not only did she break three ribs, I think, is it three or two? I don't, I think it's two. Okay. One so would be broke, enough, but yeah. Yeah, one would be enough. So <laughs> she broke at least two ribs, but what I found to be what seemed harder for her to come back from was about a week after she broke the ribs, she was running, she wasn't working out, but she tripped and fell really hard and sustained whiplash. Mm -hmm. And she talks about the pain of coming back from that with the broken ribs. I don't know. I mean, she's, she's just really Great. something special. I, I don't know who can run like that at that level, that damaged. <laughs> I mean, Eric, have you had broken ribs before? I've had a broken rib, yes. Michelle, have you had one before? I haven't. It's awful. Um, when I got run over by a car, I got a broken ribs. And and it is, it's just absolutely terrible because it hurts. Like, your whole body is connected to whatever the break of your rib is. Um, I mean, it's, it, just, it hurts so much. I don't see how she was able to continue to do anything um, with, with broken ribs. 
Um, yeah, I would say it's like breaking a collarbone, mm -hmm. but even breathing hurts. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you, you can't lay still and you like roll over at night, like just oh. because you're asleep and, and it wakes you up because you roll onto it or something. Yeah, I mean, that's, that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Now, of, of note as well, is that we have no idea how she broke her ribs. Right. I mean, there's there's very clearly, the most she said about it was on um, the See Tolly Run podcast, which she actually recorded a few weeks before New York, but dropped two days after New York. And she said, I sustained an acute injury. Um, but that is as much detail as she's given. So I don't know. I kind of like that she's put herself out there for the world, but she's making a pretty clear statement, you know, not every detail of her life and her training is for public consumption. She's maybe one day she'll just tell all, but nobody really knows at this point. What, what do you, th I mean, here, here's what I don't get. And, and I, oh, I don't I think she was drunk, but I don't know. Okay. Why do you think that? I mean, she talks about drinking beer at every yeah. <laughs> right. that's very stereotypical there michelle <laughs> i mean it's stereotypical based on what she feeds her audience okay see that's an interesting piece of evidence because i hadn't thought about that so my theory and i think eric agrees with me on this my theory is that that she broke it in a manner that she doesn't want to share because she's worried that it's going to tarnish her public image and I don't know exactly what that involved, but the fact that like, okay, so she was drunk and she fell down while drunk, that fits that formula. Do you know what I mean? I mean, maybe she went pole dancing and got hurt. Like who knows how she did it, I don't but know. she did it in a way that she's obviously for whatever reason, doesn't want people to know. She's willing right. to share that she injured herself. So what, I mean, what is the best case scenario? She totaled her car. Who cares? Why would you not tell people that? But 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 my 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 the thing about it is though is if she when she got the whiplash she got the whiplash by falling from running and she didn't right. have any problems saying I fell while running right 100%. and so if she had broken her ribs by falling running she could say that so the way that they got broken is something that she specifically doesn't want to share. And I'm not saying she has to. I'm not, I, I, I'm sure. okay with her saying it's it's none of our business. But I, but I, I, I do think it's kind of curious. Um, and it, and it, it makes me wonder well, why, why it is she that, doesn't want to share. I mean, this is a whole other leap, but she's mentioned a few times that she took the money from New York and went to CarMax and bought um, a Forerunner, like the TDR Pro or whatever it is. So... But she just got a new um, Audi. New like she had a hatchback. So like, did she wreck her car? Did she wreck her car because she had had like three? Like I don't know. I mean, oh snap! You know, Michelle's like really starting yeah. to put things out there now. Yo, well, that's Michelle. That's not most pleasant exhaustion official line, by the way. Okay, but I'm saying there's all these ramifications. You're gonna get for... our sponsors sued. <laughs> well. <laughs> if you only give pieces to the puzzle, then you leave it to the people who like you and follow you, you know, from A to Z to, to wonder and speculate. Um, Eric, what do you think? I think it's interesting because it shows a level of honesty. I'm not going to tell you a lie, right? I'm not going to come up. How easy would it be to say, oh, yeah, I tripped and fell on a training run? And, and as a lie yeah very easy yeah so that's very easy right because along with the story oh man yeah it happens all the time i mean oh okay 
must've been a pretty big fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the choice has been made to, to not say that. So there's a level of honesty there. Um, I kind of hey, feel like your text. I kind of feel like if you put this stuff together, it could be something that happened that could have a potential legal ramification if it's if it's let out. Um, not just a not just a you know a relationship with your fans type ramification that a publicist needs to worry about, but maybe even a, a legal ramification. I would hate that, right? I would totally yeah, hate true, that. Good point. And I think we all. I think the three of us agree that she's the face of American distance running right now, mm-hmm. right? One of the brighter faces of American distance running right now. So we wouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I think it shows a level of maturity in that, you know, like Michelle said, I don't have to tell you everything about my life just because I'm in the limelight. And maybe talking about this is detrimental to not just me, but distance running in general. Uh, she's an Olympic athlete. She's an Olympic medalist. She's a you know, it's a big deal. So, you know, I, I really, I think it's interesting, but other than when we talk about it, I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to know until I know, I, I try not to speculate these types of things because you can, you can go down some crazy paths <laughs> and we have, we've, we've talked about some crazy paths. I know Michelle's over here talking about pole dancing. So, so yeah, clearly gone down some crazy paths here i'm getting a bad rap here but eric texted us and said car accident with potential legal ramifications that's basically exactly what i said you said potentially yeah well no but then i also said why would she get rid of a new car i like yeah you're right you're right she totaled her i like i personally think she i think she totaled the hatchback and I don't know, you know, and I, I, I think it's all linked. I don't know if I and and to and to Eric's point, maybe she can't talk about it because it's like currently right. in litigation or because it's under investigation by insurance company or something else like that. Which is, but I, I will a, say that her car is a big part of kind of what she posts. Hmm. And if you look at kind of the stuff in the weeks before New York, there was none of it. I mean, also there was very little running based on what we heard from her. I mean, there were days that she went like three and four days without running at all, but it's like her car was a whole part of moving out to Flagstaff and I don't know. I don't know. Just speculation. Sorry. Yeah. So right. we got, we got rector car, something drunk and pole dancing. So we've, we, we run the gamut. That's great. <laughs> um, but we know it wasn't fell while running. We know that. We're pretty sure it wasn't so, so we, we can cross that off the list. Legal ramifications. That's right. That's right. All right. Very good. All right. So back to the uh, back to the celebrities that finished. In addition to Chelsea Clinton, in addition to uh, to Wrinkle the Duck, um, you had uh, the uh, the lead of Mumford and Sons that that folk band Marcus Mumford uh, ran three fifty three twenty two. Um, you had the NFL running back Tiki Barber, uh, who played for the New York Giants. He actually runs it every year, um, and he ran it for the seventh time, finishing in 447. Um, you had a bunch of women's uh, U.S. soccer players. Did you see that, Michelle? Um, who, Abby who ran, Wambach ran right, what, 345, 344? 344, yeah. And she was the slowest of the three. I'm here for yeah. that. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Lauren Holiday, a midfielder, ran 34030. Uh, Leslie Osborne ran 34133. And uh, former U.S. team captain Abby Wambach uh, ran 34425. All right. And then also, did either one of you ever watch The Bachelor? No. 
I think like there's been enough seasons of The Bachelor and and a lot of it ends up being in and around New York City, I think, that it ends up turning out so many characters and so many people that there's always like this gigantic cadre of people who were on various seasons of The Bachelor end up running. Um, and so there was a guy named Matt James um, ran alongside another contestant named Tyler Cameron. Uh, they ran together, so they both ran 50216, um, raising money for uh, for a charity there. Um, you had a former bachelorette named Taishia Adams um, and her partner, Zach Clark, and I'm, I'm presuming that he was from The uh, the Bachelor as well. Uh, they finished in 44024. I've never seen an episode of The Bachelor, so I wouldn't know... Oh, you, you are so One much from the other. You are so much more intelligent having not done that. <laughs> I I I've I've never watched an episode of The Bachelor, but it's enough of central part of pop culture that I'm familiar with the what it involves, right? Um and then who are those was it Ryan and Trista? Were those the the Bachelor and Bachelorette, the 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 two people got hooked up on the Bachelor like several years ago? They ran the New York City Marathon. Um I'm just saying I think there's a connection between the Bachelor and people going on to run the New York City Marathon. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll test That's that fair. theory next year. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. we can agree that the celebrity runners, if they're going to choose one of the big three world marathon majors in the United States, there's no competition. They're going to New York. Like That's no right. one's going to Chicago or Boston. That's right. That's right. They're not looking for fast times. They're yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> they're not looking for fast times or marathon tradition. They're looking to, uh, to New York energy. Exactly. They're looking to shut down the streets and, uh, and, and go running through there as well. Um, all right. We should also mention here, speaking of celebrities who ran, uh, Shalane Flanagan ran. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, Michelle. Yeah. So most people, I think, who follow the sport even mildly know that Shalane Flanagan embarked on uh, what she named Project Eclipse, where she was going to run all six world marathon majors this fall. Uh, this was decided on for Tokyo was postponed. So in the end, we know that there were only five of the six world marathon majors, but she did run six marathons. She substituted um, a local course on what would have been close to the day of the Tokyo marathon. So we saw her uh, run Berlin, London, and then she did the other four within the continental United States. But she came out saying her goal was just to run these four marathons under three hours. And then she started running and she was running like mid two thirties <laughs> and the fastest she ran New York, the fastest, um, low two thirties. And she said, she's totally retired. She's having the most fun she's had. She's been through two knee surgeries, which I think is the most under rated piece of information in, in all of this for, for everybody who's recovering from an injury or who's yeah. had, you know, knee surgeries. I mean, she just put her body through like six back-to-back -back marathons in six weeks, basically. Mm -hmm. And her body held up incredibly well. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to see her, you know, just kind of go out there and, and have fun. Um, the downside of this is I think it was a little bit like just annoying in the whole Shelby Bullahan Bowerman track club thing. I feel like it was maybe Project, a bit of a detractor. Project yeah, Eclipse. <laughs> Eclipse the fact that I won't admit that I had something to do with burritos, you know, gate. Yep. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> let's, let's eclipse the fact that I'm unwilling to talk about, you know, this, the, 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 the aftermath of this and admit to anything. Okay. 
I, I think it's funny. Actually, here's here's because... what's funny to me, Eric, is that I didn't know until Michelle just said it that it was called Project Eclipse. And I Can had I the exact why? same thought you did when, when she said it was Project Eclipse. I was like, hmm, why would they call it Project Eclipse? What is she attempting to eclipse? Uh, well, why did they call it Project Eclipse? It, she named it Project Eclipse because as rare as an eclipse is, we might never see all six world marathon majors again within a few week period uh, in the fall of the calendar year. So True. I hear what you guys are saying. I'm trying to throw a little bit of shade, but I wasn't going to like dump her in the dumpster like you guys just did. <laughs> I, so, so everybody who listens to this podcast knows that the, 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 any, any love that I give to Shalane is grudging because I've never been a huge Shalane fan. And, and frankly, the reasons for that are not totally legitimate. They, they are They're rooted so in the fact that she went to UNC and I don't much like UNC as an alumnus of Georgia Tech. I mean, really and truly, I recognize the, the ridicularity of that. Um, but I agree with Eric that, that in, in the wake of Shelby Houlihan's clear guilt um, and what felt to me like her clear guilt, um, uh, Shalane Flanagan, who was coaching her at the time that, that, that she tested positive uh, and who, when the news first hit, ardently and emotionally defended her has been silent ever since the the more reasoned decision was actually released um hasn't said anything hasn't tried to distance herself from her hasn't uh uh had a mea culpa about about her emotional and ardent defense or anything um, about the only thing that we've really heard publicly from her is hey look at me i'm now doing these six marathons here um so I, I agree with Eric on that, that, that it bothers me that she hasn't done that and that, that this feels like a way of, of uh, refocusing the story or distracting people from, from her mistakes. We've spent too much time talking about this already. <laughs> um, I mean, Michelle, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Um, as somebody who is a fan um, and somebody, somebody who is probably a little fairer to her than, than admittedly I am. I personally enjoyed uh, watching her run these times in a different way. Um, I enjoyed watching her carry a Morton water bottle in her hand the way the rest of us would that don't get bottles. I thought the team of people that she took with her and having her son. And um, But I do think that the publicity that Nike gave it and her unwillingness, or really Bowerman Track Club's unwillingness to give us any more information kind of about where they stand with the whole Shelby situation and just basically kind of go mom once we got, you know, the reasons why her appeals were rejected uh, made public is very frustrating. So I, every, everything that I feel, you know, Shalane Flanagan, and you could extend that to Jerry Schumacher is tainted now because of the Shelby Houlihan situation, because they really had a chance to distance themselves from it and they didn't. And I think that they should have. And I don't know that there's much that can do away with that, but in terms of just, you know, looking at somebody who uh, retired from competitive running, had these surgeries. I mean, I almost just look at it as like a great comeback story, to be honest with you. And I also just think it's incredible. I mean, six marathons in the two thirties across varying terrain, different courses, different time zones, different temperatures. I mean, Chicago was blistering hot, you know, Boston wasn't that hot, but it also wasn't cold. And she, I mean, I was actually in, um, I was actually in the hotel when she came in, she didn't get to the hotel 
until about 8.20 p.m. the night before the race. So awesome. if they took the like the the two or three-ish o'clock flight from Chicago, they didn't land in Boston until six something. I mean, she was rolling her stuff in, you know, I just... Right, because Chicago was on Sunday and Boston was on Monday. There were, there were yeah, two and two yeah. days. And she lost an hour. So yeah. just because of the time change. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in the lobby at the Copley when they... I don't know. I just, I look at the accomplishment and as a general fan of hers, I thought it was great, but forever, you know, she's definitely a few starstruck below what she used to be for all those years for me. So no. And, and, and I agree with you too, that I think if, if, if I consider it in a vacuum, um, if I, if I look at what she did with her replaced knees over the course of a very short period of time, a couple of them that were literally one day after the next, I mean, here I was bragging a few minutes ago about having run two five K's in a row. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a very impressive accomplishment and I appreciate that. And, and, and in a particular light, I would consider it to be inspiring, um, yeah. that, that, that she could do that. Well, it's just hard for me right now to, to look at it in that vacuum. Um, um, but maybe I'll get there. Maybe I'll get there. Maybe she'll do it again in a few years. And, and by then I'll be there. <laughs> I don't give a bye to great soccer players or football players who do stuff that's either illegal or immoral or just, you know, downright bad for the sport. So I'm not giving her a bye physically. Yeah. Great accomplishment, but I'll take an issue just with one thing that Michelle said, not really an issue, but you said, they had a chance to distance themselves and they didn't, and they should have, no, they had a chance to distance themselves and they couldn't. So they didn't, they could not. So they, they didn't. couldn't because Nike writes their paychecks. Why couldn't they? Uh, they couldn't because they were not distanced from it. Cause they were morally they incapable were of it to it. So because Nike <laughs> okay. writes their paycheck and they're complicit, they can't admit to it. That's a step further than I'm willing to go, but you well, can, that's Say thing. No, that's fine. But the, the, the fact of the matter is we won't know until they write their story. And then we won't really know then either because they can write their story however they want. The fact is the runner was hung out to dry. The runner did something wrong. The runner probably knew what they were doing wrong. And everybody around them just looks at the ground and walks away. So it's kind of sad. I think it's interesting. I'll give you credit, Eric, for, for on multiple occasions on this podcast, and in conversations, you have held coaches responsible for actions of athletes. Um, and I'll give you credit for being consistent in that regard, um, particularly as someone who is a coach. Um, that, that Shelby Houlihan certainly should, should um, pay for the actions that she took, but her coaches should as well, particularly if they were complicit in it. Um, well, and, they knew. and I'm inclined to agree. I think you misunderstand me when I say they should distance themselves from the situation. I'm not saying they should come out and proclaim that they had no idea what was going on. They have nothing to do with it. I think that whatever the truth is, hell, they should have said anything. They've said nothing except for ardently defended her in that first press conference. I would take any follow-up from them. Maybe, maybe it's possible, you know, the, the, the evidence is pretty damning. Like even just some type of confirmation that, Hey, it doesn't actually seem like maybe she's that innocent. I'm not looking for them to say that they were implicit in it or admit guilt. I mean, when I mean distance 
I mean, I think what I really mean is any type of follow-up from anybody from the Bowerman Track Club. I agree. And they, and they didn't do that. And the, the time window on that has expired. So I agree. Uh, that's kind of what I mean. I, I can agree. agree with that. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. All right. Let's finish up on a happier note. New York City Marathon was not the only marathon over the course of the past two weeks. Your hometown marathon took place too, right, Eric? Do you know anybody who ran in the uh, City of Oaks Marathon there in Raleigh, North Carolina? I not only know people who ran in the City of Oaks Marathon, I know someone who ran in the City of Oaks Half Marathon. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm going to... Interesting setup. (laughs) Yeah, so City of Oaks Marathon. Yes, um, Melissa, my wife, and Grace, my daughter, uh, ran in the marathons. (laughs) Amazingly enough, it's my daughter's first marathon ever. Which, which I'm, I'm going to jump in and interrupt you here. It's better didn't than you, you say, didn't you say that if whenever she runs a new distance, you're going to run with her and you didn't run with her this time, this is a new distance for, her and she didn't run, you didn't run with her. What, what was going on during this time period, George? He's a little beat up. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. That's fair. You were injured. I, I oh, that's right. The physical, the, yeah, yeah, the hip okay, doctor okay. said you should never run again. Oh, all yeah. right. All right. All right. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize there was a, there was a loophole for, uh, for, for being injured, but, 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 but there should be, I'm glad that there was. And so, but instead of you, she still had one of her parents run with her. Melissa, that's right. Her, her wife yeah, with her. And, you know, I, I, I talk about Melissa every once in a while on the podcast and I'll tell you, she's amazing on maybe 18 miles a week, you know, and Grace is running 35 to 45 miles a week. You know, she's training for fifties and hundreds, uh, but on maybe 18 miles a week, most of that with Grace, um, uh, definitely the long runs on the weekends. Uh, Melissa went out and ran the whole thing with her and go. they, uh, they finished, I think it was four eleven fifty, somewhere around there is where they finished and their, their pacing was pretty spot on. Their, their first K was like in the nine or first 10 K was in like the nine fifties. And then they started dropping the time down. I think they finished nine thirty seven average, which is Grace's goal was somewhere in the nine thirties. So, you know, she wasn't, this wasn't a, a you know, like I'm going to go kill myself race, but um, I did, I did get a few comments from them after the race. Um, um, first off, it was very cold and, and it, it kind of warmed up and then it got windy, but the, the other comments that I, I thought were really funny, you know, so they, they found the 430 pace runner, you know, the guy carrying the sign that said 430. And they had a great story about him because they're kind of plodding along with them. And then they get to this part of the trail or whatever. And the, so 430 should be greater than 930. I think it's like 945 minute pace. The guy like took off at sub nine pace or something. And then they never, like they could never keep up with them. They felt yeah. like they were pretty comfortable. And he, they, so they kind of jogged with them. And then the guy like took off. Well, about four or five miles later, they see him like on the side of the trail, like massaging his calves and thighs or something. <laughs> and they just kind of kept going. But I've never heard of a pacer just like taken off. Like usually those people are pretty spot on. You know, we talked about comrades, like those pacers are spot on. Those pacers are. I, I always caution about pacers um that that you have to kind of keep your eye on your on your own watch as well you have to kind of set your own pace and and not completely invest everything that you're doing entirely in a pacer um because every now and then they will in fact do that um yeah, and that's where you know to their credit melissa and grace they were like God, there's this guy's running way under 430 pace mm-hmm. so um 
and obviously he didn't i guess he didn't finish i don't know yeah. um but then the other the other and you said trail a couple of times it was it was a trail marathon okay so it was the greenway so it's okay. it's, a, it's a paved trail but a okay, good portion of it's on the greenway i, I, I think you. close to you know, a little maybe under half of it okay. is on the greenway um here in raleigh Gotcha. Um, but the other thing that, you know, the, I think it was the first thing that they said, cause I, I went and dropped them off and then dogs and I saw them halfway through the race. And then I picked them up at the end of the race. And the, the first thing I hear when they get a car, they ran out of snack bags at the end of the race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the important stuff. That's, that's a, that's a capital fail right there. The important stuff. I mentioned half marathon, um, so congrats, congrats to congrats to Grace on her first marathon. Yep. Um, congrats to your your gritty wife, man, um, for for doing what she did. That's pretty incredible too. Um, and then friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale. Yep, friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale. We talked about he and his son's um, challenge, which I'll get to that in just a second, but. Uh, Lee Ragsdale runs a three minute PR for the half marathon. Good for him. Um, he had set sort of like three goals, like set a PR, um, and then set a significant PR and then run under 130. He didn't quite make that 130 mark, but he did set a three minute PR from his, uh, you know, well, from his previous PR. And I'd say that this was a, this was a tougher course. And I'd say that, you know, we talked about running maturity. I, Lee and I were talking earlier today. I'd say, you know, Lee said, you know, that 132 I ran, that was his time. He said, that was not based on what I did this year. He said, I did put the work in this year, but I was really just tuning. He's like, it's the years and years before that, that led up to this. And, you know, I talk about that all the time. It, it takes years and miles to be a, you know, a competent, good runner who can, who can really push themselves to their physical limitation. And I'm not saying this was Lee's physical limitation. I think he's got a 130 in him, uh, sub 130. But um, I'm I'm really proud of him for pulling off that three minute PR. I think he did really well. So me too. Congrats to him. And that dude is mature. He's 50 years old, right? <laughs> yeah, he's 49. <laughs> he is 49. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Not that anybody's counting. <laughs> awesome. Oh, and in case and in case nobody heard that, that was a very very soft poor Lee coming from Michelle, the 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 mother of three. Um. um all right, Michelle. Wait, wait, wait. What the, the final update for the jingle ball run? I'm, yeah. I'm making did my, Owen win? Here's my statement. Uh Owen and uh, and Lee had this challenge. This who's gonna win the jingle ball run? Uh, Lee's gonna win. Lee is definitely gonna have the faster time. That's a 180 degree turn from what you said I last know. time, man. I know. I I talked to Lee about this today and we have come up with a plan. And uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Come December 4th, I think it is. Um, yeah. Owen's not going to like the podcast anymore now that you said that. <laughs> We're not going to be his favorite podcast anymore. Like, we're going to go That's from new favorite to least favorite because of you, Eric <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Michelle, thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Eric, as always, thanks for being here. It's so much fun. I really appreciate both of you. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. 
We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.